0: Man, may Jesus Christ be praised. We're in Mark 9 this morning. If you join me in turning there in your Bibles, Mark chapter 9. The uh, Bible will be reading it aloud in just a moment here. But I uh, very much enjoyed going through this gospel account uh, together with you. Um, w- one of the things that um, uh, actually brought this about, going through the book of Mark, was a request from you all at uh, the end-of-the-year survey. Uh, not this past one, but a year before. Uh, we've been in here for a while now, but uh, you all asked, can we go through a, one of the Gospels? And uh, I, I was thinking, well, uh, I guess so, you know. I, I haven't preached through a Gospel before, you know, but uh, we can we can do that together. And um, I've just been so excited. I mean, it's amazing just to see God's working and uh, how, how Jesus works and the, and, and the message of the Gospel going forth. And uh, you, you think about it, each, each week, each account, and uh, the, these teachings are, are so clear. And uh, just the way in which Jesus works in his ministry, uh, we have the perfect example before us. And uh, we, we get to see that again today. And so I, I, I don't know about you, but this has been sort of a, a time of, of refreshment, of uh, get, getting back particularly in the life of Christ. and um, it, And I pray that it's been a blessing to you. It certainly has been to me. Uh, but we're, in Mark 9, we're going to start reading together in verse 14. If you'd follow along with me as I read this aloud, Mark 9, verse 14, begins. says, And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them. Straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. When he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? Verse 17, one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit, and and wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth at his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Verse 19, he answered them and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when they saw him, straightway the spirit tore him, and he, on the, and he fell on the ground, and, wall, and wallowed, foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oftentimes it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Verse 23, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. The spirit cried, ran him sore, and came out of him. And he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing, but by prayer and fasting. The Lord bless the reading of his word this morning. You know, as you think back probably to your childhood childhood, Uh, You may have had a bicycle as a kid, and uh, one of the things on on your bike may have been uh, training wheels. Um, I I had training wheels on my bicycle. How many of you had training wheels on your bike as a kid? Okay, a lot of you did. A lot of you did. Some of you apparently didn't have them. You just went straight in, right? Okay, that's okay, too. But yeah, those training wheels are on there, and, um, you know, there comes a point in time in which those training wheels have to come off. And uh, for my son, Daniel, the training wheels are still on right now. Right? At this point, it's, it's still there. But, but at some point in time, the training wheels come off. And um, I, I think back to when that happened to me. I'm sure my parents were involved in you know, helping and holding the bike up and all those things. I, I distinctly remember my uncle being involved as well. And uh he he not only helped me, he changed the the seat out, one of those big banana seats with the the handle on the back, you know what I'm talking about that that kind. he changed it out i re, I remember that uh, it had all this glitter on it. I thought it was the coolest thing ever and uh you know he he would hold the that seat on the bike and, and I would ride and he he would hold me up and you, you know, what do you say as a kid when you first get started like, don't let go all right don't don't let go, just just hold on. And then at some point in time, you start getting a little more confident. And you say, okay, okay, let go. And then what happens? Yeah, you fall flat on your face, don't you? You just slammed out of the ground. You know, back then we weren't wearing helmets and all the other stuff today. You know, you just skid up your elbow and all that stuff. I mean, there was, there was actual real pain involved with falling down. You know, these days it's like you're in a bubble. You know, there's (laughs) oh, okay, let's do it again. But but you know that what what is why do I say that? Well, for the disciples, right? The the training wheels are coming off, and uh, at this point in time, Jesus is up. He's on the Mount of Transfiguration. He is away from them. They are doing the work of the ministry. He's not there, and and they're they're on their own, and uh, there's a big crash. Right. there There was a big crash going on, so they, maybe you you think about that uh, wh- what were they missing well that they, they needed to look to God for help and, and they didn 't do that and maybe you think back to when you served uh different in, in different ministries or different places maybe maybe you think back in the past at, at church, maybe you 've been a Sunday school teacher or a children 's Sunday school teacher, maybe you 've served in a vacation bible school or, or, or something like that um, wh- whatever area and and probably the first time you were asked to do that, you were a little bit scared uh, I, I see that often when you when you come to somebody who's maybe a, a, a little bit new to teaching or hasn 't done it before and you say Boy, would would you consider going in and helping with you know this such and such Sunday school class? Help help the three to five year olds or whatever, and, and they look at you like, are you crazy? <laughs> there there is a certain fear there, and uh, or maybe it's, would you teach this vacation Bible school class? And there's a fear that just kind of comes over their face. You see it in their eyes, and 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 what happens? Well, hopefully when that happened to you and maybe you served in an area like that, um, you you said, you know. I need to really dig in. I, I've got to get in the Word. I've got to learn this lesson. I, I need to, to really make sure I know this material. I, I need to pray. I need to ask for God's help and, and that he would help me along the way. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that sometimes happens as we do things after a while, we, we start to think, hey, I've kind of got this down now. Right? We, we can start to think, you know, hey, I, I know I've taught this lesson before it'll be no problem. Or, uh, you you know, I've handed out the gospel tracts before, I do this all the time, no big deal, I I got this. Or uh, maybe you're back on the soundboard and you do it week after week and you say, yeah, normal routine, look at the schedule, okay, no problem, right? I've got this, God, don't worry about it, it'll go fine. And um, what happens? Right about then you just crash and fall flat on your face, right? It it, it doesn't go well, because the reality is when we are saying, hey, God, I've got this. I don't really need you. We are lying. And the disciples learned that lesson right here because they thought, hey, we've cast out demons before. don't no, bring them on us. All right, we'll get this. They fell flat on their face. They fell flat on their face and they needed to learn a lesson. And it's the title of this morning's message, Desperately Dependent Upon God. And we are desperately dependent upon God. And that will never change. That, that doesn't change with experience. That doesn't change with Christian maturity or growth. In fact, it's just the opposite. If we are maturing and growing in our walk with the Lord, we realize that we need to be more and more dependent upon God and that it's less and less dependent upon us. Let's pray this morning that God will work in our hearts to show us our need to be desperately dependent upon him. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this chance to look into your word we pray that you would father just point out our shortcomings father point out our pride lord father point out these areas where we are demonstrating unbelief and lack of faith by turning to you the one who can do all things father may we see our frailty today but at the same time lord may we see how great you are how mighty you are how powerful you are and lord may we be desperately dependent upon you we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you look back at our text this morning, verse 14 begins and says, When, they came down, when, when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning them. Uh, in the, the context, if you think back to last week, Jesus was up on the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember, his glory is shown forth. And with him are three of the disciples. So he, he's got his three, his inner circle... And so James, John, and Peter are up there with them. Uh, alongside Jesus appears uh, uh, Moses and Abraham from, from the past, right? And so they're up there with him. And so at this point, Jesus is now coming down from the mount. Uh, remember, remember uh, they, they were thinking, Lord, let's, just, let's build some booths. Let's build some tabernacles. We'll stay up here. You can rule everything. And that's what happened. Jesus said, this is not the time for that, right? The Messiah came to suffer. The Messiah came to die. So now they're coming down from the mountain, and so Jesus is coming down, and um, uh, his, the three disciples are actually coming down with him. And so they come to his disciples. This isn't, this isn't the 12. This is just nine, right? Nine of them are down there. The other three are walking down with Jesus. And, and there is something going on. There's a great multitude, a big crowd around them. And then scribes are there with them. Now, who are the scribes? Scribes are the Jewish teachers of the law. And so they would be the ones who would know the Old Testament well. They would be ones who spent their lives studying it and then teaching it to other people. And so the, the scribes are, are there, and it says they were questioning with them. Now, that's a nice way of putting it. Uh, another way of saying it is they were arguing. Right? And so the scribes and the nine disciples are arguing. So, so Jesus gets there. Verse 15 says straight away, right away, all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, running to him, saluted him. So so the crowd sees Jesus, they're excited, they're amazed. That's a strong word, right? They are marveling at him. And and finally, the Messiah is here, right? Finally, Jesus is here. He's arrived because these disciples just couldn't get it done. That's kind of what is going on. And and so they're looking to solve the argument that's happening. Verse 16, he asked the scribes, that is uh, Jesus there, what question ye with them? What are you arguing about? What's going on here? We look ahead. They, they answer the question, verse 17. One of the multitude, that's the crowd, answered and said, Master, I brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. We would say a, an evil spirit. We might use the term demon-possessed to describe that. And so verse 18 goes on, Wheresoever he taketh him, that's the spirit, the, this demon-possessed, where, wheresoever he taketh him, my son, he teareth him, and he foameth, he gnasheth with his teeth, he pineth away, spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. All right, so so we, we have this man, he has his son with him, and he is demon-possessed. Now, he's showing a lot of symptoms, right? The, these symptoms, right? He, he's tearing at his body, ripping at his body, he's gnashing his teeth, he's foaming at the mouth. And, and all of these are, things are going, going on you know, during that time. And um, from a, a human perspective, perhaps the closest disease or what we would describe this is, is perhaps epilepsy, right? Somebody who is has, having a seizure, they are, are foaming at the mouth, they are, are tearing at themselves. But let's be clear, this is not simply epilepsy, right? This is demon possession, who is then a person who is demonstrating sickness because of that demon possession. Now, let's uh, break that down for a minute. Does it mean every time you're sick, you're demon-possessed? No, that's not what this passage is saying. Right? Does it mean that, that every sickness ha- has a demon behind it? That's not what this is saying. But there are certain things that a demon can bring about in a person when they are demon-possessed. And so that's what we see happening in this individual. And uh, it, it looks like epilepsy, but, but it's happening because he is demon-possessed. So with that, what happens? The disciples want to cast this demon out. They, they ought to be able to do it. We, we know that they ought to be able to do it. Why, why do we know it? Well, if you think back to other places we've read, or even uh, Luke 9.40, it says, He besought thy disciples to cast him out. Uh, uh, well, let's put it this way. If we think back to earlier in the book of Mark, there are places in which we've seen the disciples go out and heal people. They've cast out demons. They've done all these things. They've been given authority by God to carry that out. And, And the language here is, okay, this person came to the disciples, and the verse 18 says, I spake to the disciples they should cast them out. They could not. In other words, I told your disciples, cast this demon out, and they couldn't do it. We we know that they've done it before. And in fact, Luke 9 40 describes what this man says. It's the parallel passage. I besought thy disciples to cast them out. They could not. The word besought there, that means begged. Right? So, so here's a father begging the disciples on behalf of his son, saying, Could you please do something? His whole life has been miserable. He is harming himself. All of these things are taking place. He is demon-possessed. Could you please, please do something? So he's begging. He comes before the disciples. Where do you go for help? Certainly, Jesus and the disciples ought to be the ones who can do it. But in verse 18, they could not. They couldn't do it. They couldn't get it done. Why in the world could they not get it done? Well, the answer is pretty simple. They didn't believe. They didn't have the faith that was needed to do it. What was that argument going on? Remember right at the beginning we talked about the argument between the scribes and the disciples? Imagine in the context, it sounds like it's something like this. All right, disciples, you are telling everybody that they need to follow Jesus. You're telling people that they should follow the Messiah, that Jesus is God. And at the same time, right before you, you have been brought a little boy who is possessed by a demon, who is harming himself, and in that process, you can't even cast him out. You're saying that Jesus is God, and and yet you, his followers, can't cast out this demon? Just imagine how terrible that testimony would have been for all the crowd sitting there listening. We talk about falling flat on your face. That's what just happened to the disciples here. They fell flat on their faces, and and they didn't know what to do. Thankfully, Jesus comes, Right? (laughs) You wonder why the crowd was amazed, why they were so excited to see him. Well, finally, maybe he can get it done. I mean, that, That's probably what's going through their mind at, at this time. Now, did the disciples have this authority? Did they have this power? Well, we've read it before. Mark 6, 7 says, He called unto him the twelve, began to send them forth two by two, gave them power over unclean spirits. What's that mean? He gave them the authority to cast out demons. Jesus had already given the disciples that. They had that power. So why couldn't they do it? We said it before, they lacked faith. How do we know that is the case? Well, into verse 18, if we look at that, right, they were he I spake to the disciples that they should cast them out. They could not, they couldn't do it. So they have the authority to do it. They don't seem to have the power. What's the reason for it? Well, they're, they're trusting in themselves that they can, hey, I've got it now. You know, at no point in time the disciples, d- uh, do we have in this account the disciples stop to pray where they said, hey, this isn't working, God, can you help me? I mean, it, it, the, the impression is almost that they're just like going up to the kids and saying, demon, I command you, get out. You know, as though somehow they have the power or ability to do it in and of themselves. It's that hey, I've got it down. Hey, I can take care of this. They're simply trusting in themselves. You know, if we put that in the context of the church, the reality is we look at the disciples and say, boy, you guys just blew it, right? And they did. But how many times do we blow it ourselves? How many times do we fall flat on our faces? Maybe you've sung special music before. You, you, you get used to that. You, you are singing special music. And uh, you, it's a song you know. Right, we sang just, just As I Am this morning. That may be a song that you grew up singing all the time in the church. You have it memorized. You have it down. You, you know everything. You know, you, you've sung this a uh, hundred times. And so you're coming to church that morning. And you say, look, I'll just grab the music. I'll grab the hymnal. I'll get up there and sing. And it will be fine. No problem. I got this. There's something you forgot. <laughs> you don't have this. You don't have that ability. Remember, when you, when you first started singing in front of the church, do you remember when you spent time and you actually looked at the words and you said, what are these words actually saying? What are they communicating? God, would you use me to communicate this truth to folks so that the power of your word will go forth? Would you use me to, to, to declare truth and be a blessing to other people? God, don't let me be a distraction. And, and, you know, maybe it's not even primarily about the song being sung perfectly. Certainly we don't want to get in the way. But, but maybe it's not even about the song being sung perfectly. God, would you just use me and, and use the power of these words to, to work in hearts and lives? To draw people closer to you? And what happens? That, that turns into, oh yeah, I got this. Give me the hymnal. I'll get up here and sing. <laughs> just, where's the ministry? <laughs> right? where, where is God in this? Fall flat on our faces. Fall flat down. Do You think pastors are beyond this? I give you that message. <laughs> Let me go. You think Sunday school teachers are beyond this? Fall flat on our faces. VBS workers. Flat on our faces. What happens? Trusting in themselves, we do it. We do it all too often. They have the authority. They don't have the power. John fifteen five. Jesus says, "I am the vine. You are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit." For without me, ye can do nothing. How much do we need him? We are desperately dependent upon God. And the moment when we think that we're not, we will fall flat on our faces. So that's the first point of the message: we must not trust in ourselves. It's not our own ability. It's not our own gifts. It, we need to trust in God. Secondly, we need to have faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 19 goes on. He answered them and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. What was their problem? They're faithless. What's the problem? They don't believe. It's their unbelief. Who's unbelief? Well, the crowd, sure. Many in the crowd probably didn't believe. Disciples? Most definitely. They weren't believing. How do we know that they weren't believing? Because they didn't go to the one who has the power to make it work. They they didn't pray. They didn't ask God for help. They just said, hey, I got this. Certainly not the spirit we need. So what does Jesus do? He rebukes them. He rebukes them. He's not going to let them just continue down this direction, this path. Verse 20. They brought him unto him. He saw him straight away. The spirit tear him. He fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. All right, so here's this little demon-possessed boy standing before Jesus. This demon knows who Jesus is. He knows what's about to happen. And so he, he starts tormenting this child. Verse 21, he asked his father, how long is it? That's Jesus there. How long is it ago since this came on him? He said, of a child. Oftentimes it casts him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. Listen to this. If thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. So imagine that. Here is Jesus. Here is the God of the universe standing before you. Your little boy is there. And you are speaking to Jesus and saying, Hey, you know, if you could do this, (laughs) if you actually have the power, if you can, if you're capable of this, that would be great. I would love for you... (laughs) that's no way to speak to the god of the universe that's not faith being demonstrated uh, imagine imagine uh put it this way imagine you you were going to somebody maybe you have an outlet in your house and you have some trouble with it or something and you open up the outlet you turn the power off you pull the pull the outlet out and uh you look you say wow there's a black wire and a white wire and i don't even know what to do with it right And, and so you you have that going on and 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 so you think, maybe there's somebody you know who's an electrician. Right? Maybe there's somebody who's, who's very capable. Maybe they are a master electrician, and, and they know exactly what they're doing. They, they know their stuff. Right? Maybe they work on the big power lines, or they do it all day long. This is what they do. And, and you go up to them, and, and you say, Hey, uh, you know, I know you're an electrician and stuff, but you know, this might be above you. You might not be able to to handle this. I'm not sure if you can, but, you know, it, what's that black wire and the white wire do? Do you, do you even understand what I'm talking about? Can you keep up with me here? <laughs> what would that, that would be an insult, right? This is somebody who can do all kinds of different things with, with wiring things and, and electrics. This is like first grade level. I mean, this is the first class you learned, right? I mean, it, they're way above this. And you say, yeah. I don't know if you're capable of understanding this or not. <laughs> That's an insult. Or that, that is no way to speak to somebody who is an expert electrician. That's the same way they insulted Jesus here. It's the same way the scribes were doing it. They were arguing to the disciples. Yeah, obviously, you're not capable of casting out a demon. It's the same way that here is this man say, I don't know if you can even do this, but here's the boy. <laughs> if you can do this, could you take care of it for me? It's an insult. How does Jesus respond to that? Verse 23, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. What's the problem? Once again, faith. It's belief. You want him cast out? Well, do you believe I can do it? If you want him gone, you've got to believe. It's that simple. If you believe, I'll cast him out. How much is possible? All things are possible to him that believeth. Let's break down what this is and what it's not. First of all, this is not the power of positive thinking. right? This is, hey, just think positively about this and it'll happen. That's not what Jesus is saying. Just have a positive thought about this and and it'll happen. That's not what he's saying. Secondly, he's not saying, oh, you just need faith in general. Just Just have some faith and it'll be okay. This is a very specific faith. You have to believe that I can do this. You have to have faith, and not just any kind of faith. You have to have faith in a particular person. This is faith in Jesus. Specific here. You have to have faith in God. How much faith do you need? Verse 24. Straight away the father of the child cried out, said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Boy, that seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? What's he saying? Lord, I believe, but just a little bit. I, I, I believe that you but I, I'm struggling, Lord. I believe just a little bit, but, but could you help me? Because I know I should believe more. C- can you help me, Lord, believe more? Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief what happens if even just a little bit of faith is there what is the the outcome what takes place jesus heals them right we know that's what happens just that little bit of faith just that tiny bit and that was enough talking about electricity recently but uh one of the things we discovered in the parsonage we were uh we were working, and um, there's, there's an outlet in one of the bathrooms, and it, it's on the switch, right? So every time you turn the switch off, the outlet goes off. Man, it's a pain. You know, you got something plugged in. You want, you, want, you know, something to charge. You want to put in a nightlight, whatever it is. And, and you turn the switch off, and then, you know, the outlet doesn't work. So I said, well, uh, I think I can fix this. We could, we could take care of this. You know, whatever it is, no problem. I so, well, uh, you know, it's just a matter of run the wire up there. I talked to Danny a little bit about it. And, all right, so I go up there one day, open up the hole, and start pulling the, the wire up, and I've got a wire attached to the end. Oh, this will be no problem. I'll just pull a new wire up there. I'll attach it. It'll, it'll be great. Well, I'll start pulling on this wire, and all of a sudden, the, the wire's out with me. It had, it had a wire nut on it, and it was, it was attached within the wall, and then the other part of the wire is, is down in the wall. So I said, this is a mess. So what did I do? I called Anya and said, hey, come and fix this. <laughs> no, that's not what I did. Why didn't I call Anya to come and fix this? Because she knows absolutely nothing about wiring anything. She, she doesn't have any idea. I, and how do I know that? Because if anything goes wrong, she, she doesn't just fix it. She calls me. She doesn't know what she's doing with electricity. I understand that. So I didn't call Anya. Why? Because she doesn't know what she's doing. I called Danny Gore. (laughs) Because he knows what he's doing. Right? Why in the world would I call Danny Gore? Well, I didn't have faith in Anya. I mean, she was right there. It would have been more convenient. But I didn't have faith in her ability to fix that problem. I did have faith in Danny Gore. And his ability to fix that problem. I believed, right? I believed. And, And so just like that, I called Danny Gore. He comes over and, you know, a couple hours later, it's all working. I mean, that's just how it goes. So why? Why would that, what would be the difference there? Well, if you have faith, if you believe, right, that someone is capable of doing something, that's what's required here, right? Belief that Jesus is able to heal this boy. And, and, and so this person demonstrates that faith. How do we demonstrate faith that Jesus is capable of doing something? We talk to him, right? If I had never called Danny Gore, right, if I hadn't called him, what would be the reason that I didn't call him? Because I didn't think he could do it. There's some of you in the church, I didn't call that day, right? You know why? Because I didn't think you could do it. But I knew that Danny Gore could. I had faith. I believed. And so, so what happens? When we talk to God, we are demonstrating our faith. God, I can't do this. It's beyond me. I am desperately dependent upon you. God, can you do this? You have that power. You have that ability. I can't do this on my own. Verse 25 goes on. When Jesus saw... The people came running together. He rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him. Enter no more into him. The spirit cried, rent him sore, came out of him. And he was as one dead, insomuch many said he is dead. Jesus took him by the hand, lift him up, and he arose. See, when Jesus gives a command, that, that demon, that evil spirit had no choice. He came out of him. Why? Because the master of the universe gave a command. And even the demons obey. See, demons are under God's control. God can command them and they have to do exactly what he says. They're under his power. They're under his authority. Satan himself is under the power and authority of God. God wants to bind Satan and throw him away. He could do that at any time he wants to. He has that power he has that authority. You know, we often will say things about the, the battle between good and evil and things going back and forth. Well, let me help you with that. We know the end from the beginning. And Jesus wins. We can be confident in the outcome. And so when, when I'm praying to God and asking for his help or for his empowerment or, or to do that, we're dealing with little battles around the way, along the way, but I know the outcome. I know what's going to happen in the, in the end. Uh, I'm just asking God, would you use me? God, would you help me? Would you use me for your glory? In the end, Jesus wins. We know the end from the beginning. It's not as though somehow we, we have to have any doubt about what's, what's going to actually take place. Verse 28 goes on, when he is coming to his house, his disciples ask him privately, why could not we cast him out? He said to them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Okay, so the disciples are finally wondering, Lord, we fell on our face in front of all these people. We couldn't get the job done. Why didn't it work? And Jesus kindly gives them the answer. It's a bit of a rebuke, but he tells them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. What's he saying? You, you need to look to the source of power. You need to look to God because You've been given authority to do this, but it's not in your own strength. This comes by belief. This comes by faith. And you need to demonstrate faith. That language there, right? Prayer and fasting. So, what happened? They needed to pray? They needed to deny themselves? Is that what would bring this about? Let's put fasting in context for a minute. Right? Fasting just means you stop eating for a period of time. That's what fasting is. Breakfast, break fast, right? You're breaking your fast from the night before. we have probably heard that before. Right? It just means you're stopping for a, a period of time eating. Now, why in the world would Jesus say prayer and fasting here? So you're telling me that if, if I don't eat, then all of a sudden God is going to hear my prayer more? Is that what this is saying? No, clearly not. Clearly not. God doesn't hear you more because your belly is growling. That, that's not what this is being described. What was the purpose of fasting? Fasting was to allow people to set aside a period of time to devote it specifically to prayer. So think about it this way: you know, now I mean, if if, if I want something to eat, you know, I just grab a can of Chef Boyardee ravioli, pop the top, throw it in the bowl, put it in the microwave. Ninety seconds later, I've got lunch, right? And uh, you, you scarf that thing down, put it in the sink, wash it out a little bit, throw it back in the counter. You've eaten, it's all gone, and, and you're done. You know, I, 10 minutes, lunch is over. It wasn't like that back then. Right? If you were preparing a meal, you had to go out and kill the chicken, and, you know, pluck the feathers, all those different things. Or right? you had to go through that whole process. It was an endure, a long ordeal. And then you finish, and you've got to wash the dishes, and all, all the things that are involved with that. Right. I mean, even, even when my wife cooks, okay, it takes a lot longer than if I were to do something. Right? That, that instant uh, you know, TV dinner doesn't take too long. But, but when my wife cooks, it takes a lot longer. It's a longer process. So, so think about it in that context, right? Somebody who actually cooks real food. It's not me. And that takes a long period of time. So instead of doing that, you take that time and you repurpose it and you repurpose it to prayer. So, so when it says by prayer and fasting here, it's not saying, boy, if you just had an empty belly, or if you denied yourself more, then God would answer your prayer. God answers our prayer because we approach him because of Jesus Christ. Right? It's by the grace of God that he answers our prayer. And so there is nothing that I have to do for God for him to somehow answer my prayer or, or for him to love me enough to hear my prayer or anything like that. If I love him, if I set aside time to pray and ask for his help, that's what's going on here. Okay, so by prayer and fasting, why do they do it? Well, it's a recognition that God has the authority, God has the power, he's the one who can do this, and it's not me. What's he saying? You need to be desperately dependent on God. Lord, would you help us cast out the demon? If they had just simply asked, I think he would have done it. If they had simply demonstrated their dependence upon him, I think it would have taken place. I don't know. Scripture doesn't say that. But that was the issue. That was the problem. And so I I think logically we can say very clearly, if they had just simply depended upon God, this would have been taken care of long before. Let's go back to that training wheel illustration, Right? Here's where that illustration breaks down. Because we pull the training wheels off, right? We're on the bike, and we we holler up to mom or dad or uncle and say, let me go. But you know what's different with God? We look up to God and we say, never let me go. I am desperately dependent upon you. This bike doesn't go unless you're holding on to it. When can we ride without God? Never. It can never happen. So two things this morning. First, we must not rely upon ourselves. We need God in everything we do. If there's something going on in in ministry or otherwise where where you have just been entirely dependent upon yourself and not looking to, to God for his help and guidance, hey, that's not just church, right? That's the workplace. We say secular workplace, but guess what? It's not so much a secular workplace. Everything is spiritual. Everything is under God. Trust God in your day to day work. Trust God in your day to day interactions. And then have faith in Him. He can do it, He can bring it about. All things are possible if you believe. What does that mean? Trust that God is able to empower you to do whatever task he has called you to do. And if you want to demonstrate that faith, how do you do it? You pray. You talk to him. You ask him. See, that, that is a way of showing our dependence in a, a very clear manner. You, you want to show that God's in charge? Then go to the one who is in charge. You want to live life depending upon yourself? Just don't talk to him. That, that's what that looks like. So I challenge you this morning, if you have been relying on yourself, today be a day where you would commit to God to be desperately dependent upon Him. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you just for the power of your word. Thank you, Lord, that you have called us to be people who are desperately dependent on you. So, Lord, we ask that you would just work in our hearts and minds today. It would be sensitive to your leading and direction. Father, we pray that we would be people who are demonstrating true belief, even if it's just a little bit, that we would draw ever closer to you. So, Lord, when when we need help, and that's always, we'd we'd be people of prayer. Father, would we demonstrate our dependence upon you by going to you, Lord, we pray that you would just challenge our hearts. Lord, we know that when we depend upon you, our ministry will be more effective. Because, Father, without you, there is no ministry at all. So, Lord, we just praise your name today. Challenge our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.